Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. We're back after a delayed winter break. I don't know how long it's been, guys. What did we say? Like five, six weeks? Something like that? No, I, I like the winter break. Let's let's go with that. Yeah. How do we like excuse ourselves from well, what's our excuse? John, what's your excuse? We just couldn't do it on a Tuesday night. That's that's our excuse. Yeah. Okay. A cold night in the wherever. We've established John's here. Jack, how are you Hello? doing? What yeah. have you been using your spare time to do? Um, I mean, you tipped me off you were going to ask this, this, and I've still not come up with anything useful. I don't know. I've just been existing, I think. Existing. Strong. Connor, existing also? <laughs> existing and writing a PhD thesis. And You're still writing that? What that's it. Really? It's about his PhD, yeah. doesn't Get it? Get a move on. <laughs> Any opportunity. Still writing that. Still, mate, it's a fucking three-year process. Oh, there we go. And I'm in, the, I'm in, in the third year, in with so the I'm, I'm going. Oh, yeah, the F-bomb hasn't been dropped for a while because we've not been doing a podcast, so there you go. First line, <laughs> we're back. Do you exclusively swear in the pod? Yeah, literally, I save up all my anger and rage just for this podcast so that I can let a few expletives <laughs> out. <laughs> right, well, it's good to be back. Um, quite a busy one today. We've got 644 games to cover. Um, now we'll talk, we'll obviously a lot's happened since we last did a pod. So we'll obviously spend a little bit of time talking about Joey. Um, we'll touch on the news that obviously the, it was the, what do we call it? The council meeting yesterday, which was Tuesday. So we can touch on the updates from that. Uh, I think there's been nine games since we last did a pod, so we're going to probably spin our way through them, maybe focus on the more recent ones. Um, I don't really want to talk about that Accrington away trip that we had, John, so maybe we can we can bypass. Oh, my God. Do you know what? I haven't actually thought, you know, when you repress memories of anything, I, hadn't, I haven't even given any thought to that since the night. I just kind of feel cold, and then I remember Matt Taylor's miss, Oh. And then I remember thinking, if it wasn't for the rain, I think we would have won that game. But because Accrington, it was like it just John, worked for them. Stop doing this. Stop doing this to yourself, mate. It's gone. It's in the it's past. Happened. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. It's a shame. Let's move on, James, quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll look at League One, and then we'll look at the running. Um, someone else has done a nice like running spreadsheet. I was secretly jealous that I didn't get there first, but. I think the fonts I used when I did it were better, but it's on the forum, isn't it? Now, anyway, um, right. So we've we've got to start with Joey. Uh, to be honest, I it's not. I I found it quite difficult to process this personally, um, and it was actually a bit of a maybe it's a bit of a cop out. But I didn't really want to do a pod for a bit because <laughs> I felt like we had to let a bit of time settle, and I wasn't sure, you know, how we'd be able to talk about it after a bit of time but um jack start with you memories of joey i think we've got to put a positive positive <clears throat> spin on this and what it means to you well in a strange i suppose twist of fate with how life works i'd actually been converting vhs's to mp4 files um in the week prior to hearing about his passing and and one of those for some reason was a recording of a game we were on Sky against QPR, and Joey scored a goal. I remember where he cut in on his right foot and slid 
the defender on his arse and then slotted it slotted it away and did the cool knee slide celebration and then like one fingered kiss to the yeah. London Road. Um <laughs> and that, you know, that just was kind of a nice thing to have in my mind unfortunately at the time of it being announced that he'd passed. But I mean what a player. I mean I I I only got kind of a couple of years, I suppose, because of when I first started watching Oxford, but you know to see people calling him potentially our best ever player is no, you know, is not not over egging the pudding at all. He was just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I think the VHS John is a nice segue into some of your memories from Joey. I, know, I saw you got those old season review videos out. I don't know if Connor's ever seen a VHS, but um... I have. I have just about, just about. <laughs> <laughs> um, a car boot sale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me the the season review videos were the real up in the sort of the positive side of thinking about Joey and I sort of instantly brought back all the memories of watching those videos over and over again. I mean, yeah, I saw a bit of Joey's time. I didn't get to see him as pomp. Like, and if I had a time machine, I'd go back to 92 away at Tranmere in a heartbeat because it just sounded like it, it was amazing. Yeah. But I think to your to Jack's point around goals where Joey would constantly, genuinely put a defender on his, on their ass. Like, there's so many video, there's so many goals throughout those videos where he cuts in on his right or his left, and the, the defender genuinely ends up on his ass. And I think that we might be thinking about the same goal. Jack was one that I was going to mention, but there's countless others. And the best thing about those season review videos, which you touched on as well, James, is the narration across them <laughs> is so funny like there's there's one game i think it's against nottingham forest and it's at christmas time you've got somebody talking over the game and it goes something like dear dennis uh, oxford is struggling right now but how would a goal from <laughs> nicky banger sound dear santa thanks yeah, for that. yeah. Um, i remember it so well but unfortunately some of the something scoring straight away wasn't quite in the script was it Dear Dennis, how about another <laughs> goal from Joey Beecham? And it goes on throughout the entire bit. And then there's other games. There was another one where you go, it starts Timber. It's the, that's like? the Forest. That's the Forest yeah, away the, game where yeah, we the they had like game. Pierre Van Hoydonk and people scoring penalties, but Joey just tore them apart. I think he notched two amazing like individual goals in that game. And I think we won maybe even three one. And Simon Marsh got another one. I'm not. I can't yeah. remember completely, but. I yeah, mean, the those... guy goes timber. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, those videos, like I said, if you, if it ever pops in your mind, they're just they're just brilliant to to go through. And um, I think Dan Kurtz did a brilliant job, kind of bringing all the the goals together, which I'm sure many of us enjoyed. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. So I sort of had that. That for me was the positive side of it. Um, I think the other side for me was so my daughter was one just about the time of the of the Cambridge game. Um, about a month ago and uh, it's the small things that but when she was born someone in the family gave her a little Oxford United teddy bear which I'm sure we've all got one and we all sleep with it and um, my, my partner was like oh what's it called and I just nonchalantly went Joey when it, when she was first given it I didn't even think about it being called anything else and it's just to me it was little things like that and I see it all the time now as I walk around the house and it kind of jolts me and reminds me of it but I think it feels like we're in a nice celebratory space. Obviously, you know, the sadness and his funerals, I think next week, and I think people can watch that if they want to and attend and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it feels like a nice time to be sort of really thinking about the positive side of it. Yeah. Um, not to negate anything that happened on the day at Cambridge and his daughters on the pitch and everything, which was just beautiful. But, but yeah. 
Yeah. And Connor, obviously, slightly different generation. So, but obviously, you've learned of Joey through your dad. I'm sure your dad talked a lot about him growing up and stuff. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, like you say, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in that that generation of fan, unfortunately, because from all the videos that I've ever watched of Joey and and obviously the stories my dad's told me that he was a phenomenal football player for this club. Um, but also, I think one thing that did touch me, I think, as a as a fan, I guess, of a, a, a different generation, I think is just the way the club dealt with everything, um, you know, over the, the period of his passing. And obviously that Cambridge game, I think they were absolutely impeccable with the way they yeah. dealt with it. Absolutely. I think I, I put in the notes, and this I wrote these like eight weeks ago type thing, but I talked about how I thought the club dealt with it incredibly. I thought everything KR said, and now we've now had a few instances of this where yeah, he's just bang 100%. on point and he, he gets it and he, he makes it everything. He just pitches everything in the right way, both for Joey, Joey's family, for the fans, and it helps to kind of rally everyone together. Um, I thought the Radio Oxford coverage was absolutely brilliant. I couldn't get down to the Cambridge game I was, and I was in the car um, listening to the radio and I was at, literally bawling my eyes out, I don't mind saying, like just listening to Rosie on the pitch, um, you know, trying to talk through. And he was get, obviously rallying kind of the London road and getting some of the old kind of mid-90s chants back out and encouraging that. And I thought Rosie did amazing to get through it and... Nick, even Jerome and Nathan and Nick and the guys just were brilliant and there was lots of heartfelt stuff in there um, referring to Joey's kids and stuff as well um, and them losing their dad and stuff um, I thought the other thing as well with the whole um, part was was how the media kind of coverage beyond you know, obviously the local media really I think got it right um, if you look at the piece that Jim White did in the Telegraph, you know, titles homespun hero made us all dream. I thought that was absolutely nailed it. Um, but also a lot of it, it got the West Ham transfer right. And I think I've seen him in plenty of places the sort of, you know, it being him being sort of joked about from that people from people who didn't, didn't know what the background was. And yeah. a lot of the media did actually pick up on the fact that he didn't want to go, you know, it was to save the club. Um, you know, he was, he was clinically shy, a lot of anxiety. He didn't really want to be there, but he kind of did it. And I think now we're in a place where people can understand that, that a football player would think like that, that he actually he'd want to just be with his club he wanted to play for. And KR picked up on that um, superbly. So, and I liked, you know, hearing the stuff from Dennis Smith saying, you know, he's the best technical player he'd ever seen. We were sixth in the championship, didn't need to sell him, didn't yeah. want to go. So for me, it was it was nice to kind of almost avenge that stuff you do see in sort of nineties podcasts and all that sort of stuff where it's not understood. And I thought the obviously the mental side of things that Joey's sadly obviously suffered with was handled really well in the media side of things and um, beyond the sort of Oxfordshire bubble, which kind of gets it, understands it, but it's important that for me, it went far beyond that. And I felt, it felt like people got it and got who he was even West Ham, like they were celebrating him, and surely mo- most of their fans would kind of be in the latter camp. Yeah, but... makes sense. I thought this would be all right, and I just ended up bawling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the other the other thing with it is like he just was an Oxford lad, and he just, as everyone kept saying, he just wanted. What did KR say? Oxford was his England. 
which yeah. I thought yeah. was, that was yeah. perfect. And he played for Summertown, Summertown Stars' best club in Oxford, apart from Oxford United. Um, <laughs> went to Charwell. He was always around Summertown and North Oxford, so like me and my mates would see him. And he's a massive part of why so many of us uh, Oxford fans, um, especially those of us as kids that thought you were hardcore standing in the beach road terrace because he was on the right wing. He was flying past at least for 45 minutes or so every every week. And that was just what you wanted to see as a kid. And I don't, I don't, you know, you don't know if you'd be there supporting Oxford still to this day if he wasn't there exciting you and hearing the London road get up every time he got the ball. I I vividly remember my first game at the Manor, and I was I didn't sort of go to the football with my dad or anything. My first game was with a with a mate. I can't remember how old we are, sort of eleven, twelve, or maybe a bit older. I'm not sure, but I can remember being a little bit intimidated about going to a football match. And one of this, I'm not saying I saw Joey and I felt all right. It's not not quite that, but I remember he was one of the things that in that game, watching him maybe just sort of calm down and just sort of fully get into it. And it's almost yeah. for me. It's it's the same thing as that. He got us into Oxford United, and countless people across the county will will say that without even batting an eyelid. Yeah. Um. Last things to say. Great effort from the fans, uh, the fanatics, to get the banner sorted so quickly. And I thought it was a great banner as well. Um, yeah. It was perfect. Um, obviously, as we said, club amazing. I think they balanced everything really well. They obviously would have given Joey's family opportunities to to do or not do certain things. Um, and obviously, they just wanted to celebrate his life. And Carl walking his girls around the pitch afterwards was was great to see as well. Um, and they they've done a collection. So, um, well, I think we've already posted the link on the Tip Manor Twitter account. If for those who haven't seen it, but um, Please contribute to that. I think everything's going towards his his two girls. Um, so it'd be good wherever possible if people can help out. And um, please have a look at that. The only other thing I was saying, I know I said it to you boys and I messaged the Terrace separately, but I think it'd be great for them to do, you know, uh, a shirt that's maybe from that kind of 96, 97 season that they haven't done yet, where it's the home brand classic and get 11 on the back and do something and, you know, maybe do something that would then contribute to that fund. But I think um, you just want guy... your nipples to not be chafed by your. <laughs> I mean, that I do by your unipart I... material that you always talk about on the original. I do shirt. love that. I love that shirt. But yeah, as you say, there was two years of ultimate nipple chafage, and everyone knows that. But <laughs> it was made out of the worst material. But they so they could do a remake of that that looks exactly the same with OUFC as kind of the brand, and then just actually make the material out of something that. Yeah, isn't going to make you bleed. That'd be great. Anyway. Um, oh, but yeah, and obviously we all miss you, Joey. Um, R.I.P. News then. Stadium stuff. Jack, I'm going to go to you. So the meet, There was a meeting yesterday. My understanding was that, you know, this was the session that would then end, like conclude with, right, we're into planning now but it looks like it's not not so much the case. No, so th- this this was always going to be step two, which was basically um, the decision that was delayed from the first meeting, basically the council saying, yes, let's go ahead and talk commercial lease. Um, so the consultation was about building support for or against and evidence and opinion. Um, and this was basically the formal process of going, okay, we've read all the stuff, 
hear some people to give their views both for and against. Right, we've reviewed all that within this session. We're happy for commercial talks over a lease to begin. So really, this is just kind of step two on a unknown number of steps process. And we're still probably some way from getting to a planning decision. Um, yeah, it said they th- wanted more details, which the club said was absolutely fair enough. Um, and I, 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 yeah. think, I think I get the impression that the club has every stage that is ahead on the shelf, ready to go. They just know they've got to come through each hurdle as it happens as a process. We can't rush it, we can't force it. But I I get the impression the club is very much on top of everything um, that is yet to come. So yeah, it was I just saw- good, good to get the tick in the box, basically. I saw um, Mr. Mack and Paul Paros both kind of highlight the point to say... Uh, well, we'll be homeless in four years, as in there's no opportunity. The quote is, there's no opportunity for United to extend the license agreement at the Kassam beyond 2026, nor purchase the ground. Um, yeah, which I thought I th- was interesting. I think um, during the arbitration process with Kassam, I think we took a option that we had out to almost strengthen our hand in terms of a new ground proposition, actually. And it's slightly scary, I think, because... I think we've, we we will all know a planning process somewhere in where we live or where we have lived that has taken a long, long time to get through. So hearing the kind of beyond 2026, we are homeless is, I think is going to be scary right up until the moment we see a almost complete ground at Stratford uh, break. Yeah, I think it's a gamble worth taking. Um, absolutely. And it's nice to get this initial consultation stuff in the bag as well because you can now you've now got a period where yeah they'll it'll go quiet and they'll sort of do commercial talks about the land you assume without the council sort of prejudicing anything they've already got some ideas in their head that this is not a bad idea or else we wouldn't have got to this stage but that's in the bag and can be used against any particular arguments that may be thrown away there'll be more of this consultation activity and full-on planning where you start to get into you know, sessions down the village hall and people can come and see what the traffic management plans will be and what's going to happen to the newts in the Woodland Trust and what's going to happen to all, the, you know, it's all the detail. But the fact that, you know, we've got through this and if you generally look through the feedback and the commentary at the meeting, perhaps with a slight lens on, you know, bias lens, it seems like it was in the main broadly positive or no opposition and yeah. It was interesting to see the Oxford Mail reporting today about how at least two of the uh, neighbouring parish councils in their quotes were talking about, you know, we've got our doubts, but we've got an open mind, which is exactly what you'd expect them to say. But they said exactly the, pretty much the same wording, which suggests they're operating very much in the same on the same page. And the fact that they're not coming out with a an opening gambit of we're, we're dead against this. I think is is positive, but yeah. So as looking, Jack says, sorry, yeah, go. On. I was going to just say, looking at the numbers, three three thousand seven hundred people filled in the survey, eighty percent in favour, but <clears throat> only eight hundred eighteen local residents responding responded, and of those eight hundred eighteen, thirty eight percent were in favour of entering negotiations, and fifty eight percent against um so there's probably a, a bit more to do isn't there with the local community but hopefully more details will help with that there's but, there's a hell of a lot more 
to be done in that sense because if you look at the size of Kidlington, what's it like 14, 15,000 people live in Kidlington? Yeah. And you've only got a response rate of 818 people. I mean, the um, based off of that, I mean, the the people who are perhaps against the proposals should be the ones out rallying for people to uh, to be in touch um, and, you know, put their opinions forward because based off of those numbers, that means, well, in my eyes, perhaps bias eyes, but I would suggest that local residents are not half asked because if they were, they would be the ones filling in the form, giving their, you know, disapproval to it. Yeah. So exactly. I find it very interesting that they even publish those results because to be honest with you, they don't tell you anything at all. I, I did mean, fi- slightly put it into some context and it is the different situation, but through, through work, I've been, in, I was involved in a planning sort of consultation process around an airport and our airport expansion is pretty controversial as is big development. And we had 1600 local responses about the proposed plans around the airport. So I was surprised to see it relatively low at 800 odd when our plans weren't, they were kind of like, well, this is what we in theory want to do. They weren't, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. What do you think about that? It was at this sort of conceptual stage. So like you say, as we get nearer and nearer, more people will get interested as people do because this is still sort of pipe dream stuff to a degree. Um, I did enjoy the comment that I saw where someone had said that 80% of the people that were contributing were football fans who hijacked the process. And it's like, uh, you quali- Again, that's, qualify that, your that's, statement, please. Yeah, that's a very controversial thing to say. No, exactly. But also... It's like I imagine quite a lot of the resistance to this comes from an environmental perspective. And I'm sure if you're a football fan or not, if those are the sort of your biggest concerns, then I'm sure that overrides your football alliance. Um, just for one example. But well, I found that a very interesting comment. That It's, that it's the whole thing of shock people who would use the facility vote in favour of it, like, you know, speak out in favor yeah that was that was a yeah it was a nothing comment um yeah strange strange comment to make there was some really good language in i think one of the q a's maybe from the club where they talked about like it will be used all the time for other things talking about farmers markets on a saturday morning it was talking about community events and all that sort of stuff where actually if you think to people who don't give a toss about football they go oh brilliant well there'll be all sorts of things we can go and get involved with and it's like the whole, well, if there's going to be restaurants and whatever there, that's more stuff for us. So I thought that language was quite good because it just sort of distilled it down to just, just take, got to keep moving it away from 26 times a year, a load of people will turn up and, you know, trash the place and be noisy or whatever. It's got to keep moving it towards that. There's something for everyone type of space. Yeah. When's the next like milestone then from, from here? Does anyone know? I don't, I don't think there's a kind of date I, I, my understanding is that the various parties now talk or begin to talk commercials um, with the kind of underlying desi- designs and detail being prepared for when that is agreed, so like John said, so people can start seeing what's going to happen to the newts, 
what color is the road going to be? Are we going to have solar panels? Up? You know, all that kind of thing. But Nothing against newts, by the way. I was going to say, the I'm, newt, I'm, stra- newt strategy I'm, is going to be I'm section 4.6. Pro newts. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it, it, people will laugh, but York City's new stadium was held up due to a rare type of newt being found in the vicinity. Oh, come so on. It, uh, it, it is does a thing, happen. Yeah. Um, I was there. Called hedgehogs. There are like hedgehogs tunnels you have to put in across the state so that hedgehogs or animals can move across from one area of the site without having to go across roads. There's like this next level... For this kind of stuff do you know what we had enough of a break from the pod where we could have completely repurposed like our subject header we could have just talked about hedgehogs is this all like where stuff. you can get the big Nukes. signs that's like toads crossing and all that sort of stuff like the big the road guess, signs yeah yeah i guess could change to like made. michaela strachan and people <laughs> i'm not sure if anyone will get that no anyway <laughs> um okay cool either way positive stuff um I, for one, am just very excited about the day when 3D, I know it's far off, but 3D renders start getting shared and distributed. That's that's when it gets proper exciting, doesn't it? I always look at, you know, when other clubs get get to that stage where they're sharing those kind of bird's eye view images and then the kind of computer generated images from different angles of the stadium starts imagine, to bring it to life. Imagine if it just has three stands. <laughs> just to troll everyone. Yeah. April first, uh, like put it yeah. out. That'd be amazing. <laughs> That's a, it's a great just idea. A massive fence end. Like instead of having an eight foot fence, we're having a twelve foot fence. Just two stands, nine thousand each. <laughs> so one at either end. Um. Right. Football stuff. Let's let's see how. Let's do whistle stop tour of matches. Let's try it. Pompey at home, 3-2. McNally, we scored from a corner. That's amazing. And then it was annoying. They got one back. They just walked the ball in. Morel got sent off, foot to the head. Brannigan. What's Brannigan's goal? What's Brannigan's goal like? Oh, this was a great goal, wasn't the it? Screamer. That was I'm missing screamer. Ronan Curtis just scoring and everything looking like it was going to be terrible when we were losing to 10 men. And then this Brannigan is like a game absolutely. for everyone listening. Like, can you remember the game? <laughs> can you remember? <laughs> can you, yeah. Whilst we talk about it. The main things are, though, Brannigan, like, of the last few games, it was this game, it was Charlton away, wasn't it? Where he scored two absolute, like, thunderbolts. Um, so he was having his, like, a mini goal of the season competition. How many goals did we say he's got this season? Knowing, yes, there's 13. lots of 13. 13. I mean, this is the missing thing for him for me like he's absolutely gone if we don't get promoted now he can suddenly yeah. pick up the ball and put it in the top corner from 25 <laughs> yards consistently it in that Pompey game I remember specifically though about two minutes before obviously we're losing 2-1 at the time against 10 men it's very frustrating we're getting angry watching it type thing and we couldn't break them down they were sat so deep and he had a go he had a pop from same distance and just absolutely flung it over and we were just like we said don't shoot cam for god's sake and then yeah i just remember a few minutes later he was lining up you're going no no no, no y- yes it's it amazing and then holland obviously i think um similarly i was frustrated with his performance and then he just did that which was unbelievable well that uh, yeah i think that rather sums up nathan holland's season doesn't it that he will pop up with this moment of class and then not repeat it for a few games just moment he's a player of moments isn't he yeah, in games very much and, so. um he is still quite frustrating to watch and i think there's uh, stuff's been said and he was dropped from the team a couple of times during the latest run of games as well 
Um, I, don't, I don't get why he's been played as a 10 yeah. in some games either. For me, it's like put him on the wing and let, you know, like you say, occasionally he cuts in and scores a worldly great. Don't ask him to sort of try and dictate the game or all that sort of stuff. I've, I've never seen him play it well. Um, yeah. I guess we have had injuries and this is all a bit out of context and stuff. But. Still seems so lightweight for me, though, for a modern day winger. But maybe, you know... You just hate him, just James. Me. You have an agenda I don't, against I don't, him. I don't, you I don't do. The amount of times we him. watch football together and you go, oh, Nathan Holland. It's just, it's true. He's, he's moved he's, on from Bowden what? to uh, Holland. Yeah, literally. Well, <laughs> he always has to pick on someone, don't you, James? It's a bit like me. No. I do the same thing as well. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan Holland at times, he, he either seems really indecisive or what do i what do i keep saying dwindle captain dwindle captain dwindle is dwindling a lot captain just dwindle. not committing to taking someone on or just picking out a pass just kind of ret- turns around and goes backwards this, but then um, other times he seems to be extremely decisive and then just i don't know this quick fire analysis of football yeah sorry, sorry. No, this is good. A, player player chat <laughs> player chat spans chat. over multiple games this is good <laughs> i think um, a, good, a good segue into Accrington is Following Holland's 96th minute winner against Portsmouth, he then only lasted 55 minutes on a cold Tuesday night in Accrington, and then he which didn't, kind of sums it up. And he didn't, start, didn't and he get wet. dropped after that as well. John's not over it. <laughs> I, I feel like KR suggested people didn't put a shift in, therefore they got dropped for the next game at Bolton, but I don't remember because I can't see the team. Let's pretend that happened and no one else is going to check it. So, yeah. Anyway, we talked about Accrington away. That was incredible, fair, but we we copped out and we sat like on the halfway line, didn't we, in the, in the seats for the first half, and then we were like, right, no, we're going to brave it for the second half, and it just didn't stop raining, um, and we weren't you, rewarded. You braved that. it for the second half. You went and did what happened to me and you, James, and John Beale, like a few years back as well. Stood on the terrace and got drenched. It was you, worse than that. It was. You chose I don't think to I've do ever seen anything half. like it. I have no we, we were probably the closest people to Taylor's miss, and I still can't tell you how he missed it. <laughs> At the right angle as well. Yeah, It was one of those nights, though, where it's so, it was so windy. And what does Forrest Gump say? Like, fat rain. Like, you can just see, the, you can see like, movement in all of the rain, like, everything. You can see the swirl. It was just mental. It didn't stop. Anyway, we lost 2-0. Accrington, look, every, all, all of their players looked about 7 foot 8. And just dominated us for most of the game, and it was horrible. Anyway, um, Bowen at home, this was where Bowden shone. I think he got one of those kind of free kicks that became a shot, and it, w- it was great. And then he had another beautiful goal as well. And Bowden really, as you said, Connor, I'd started to just fall in love with him instead of um, moan, moan about him. But I just wasn't sure he would ever be a player that would get his way into the team. I thought he'd be one of those signings that never quite is fit enough to break in does show how like seasons and players roll around because if you thought Bowden and Williams when we signed them we thought yeah fair enough then Holland and White came in and we were like Christ they must be annoyed they're hardly going to play yeah now Bowden and Williams are probably kind of ahead of those two White maybe not White but for me like I started to wonder whether we were changing some of our formations to get Bowden in the team that's how important he became and when he comes back, I'll be really interested to see when he whether he goes straight back in again. Yeah. Yeah, he did really well we... in that number 10 role, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. He's very good in there. He looks, he's an intelligent player, for sure. 
I was going to say, I wonder how if we've broken any records this season for home games that have finished 3-2 either way. Like, there must be something in that. Um, anyway, that Bolton game as well, we scored Bowden's first goal. They just ran up the other end within like 30 seconds and scored, didn't they? And I remember their right back was just tearing us apart all game, that Fossey guy. I think he notched their second as well, didn't he? Um, but yeah, decent side. I thought they'd go on and still be pushing and putting pressure on the playoff places, but they've fallen off, haven't they, completely? I mean, the Pompey game, the Bolton game, and, and even before the Pompey game, we were conceding a lot of goals. I think for me, the Bolton game was where it really set in that we cannot defend for Toffee. Full stop, yeah. And we're just conceding so many basic goals. And then obviously you come, well, we'll move, you know, you move to Charlton and it's a different story, but... Clean sheet. Yeah, <laughs> kind of defeating my point. But equally, <laughs> it just felt like it was sort of this is the narrative that we're going to outscore people and concede a lot, and that's the team we've got. Yeah, that Charlton away game was just fantastic to watch. Both Matt Taylor's goals were wonderful. Rhino Williams, who needs Rhino Williams, needs a shout out, doesn't he? Like he has been absolutely shit hot for the last few weeks. Him and Bulldog, especially, were the ones that were shining for me. But Connor, I can hear you drooling on your mic. Yeah, <laughs> literally, because it's just, I think Ryan Williams has really stepped up the last few weeks, especially since we've changed the system to play like a, a th- yeah, three at the back. And I guess with wing backs where he's kind of operated as, you know, a defensive minded player, but also has, has been able to affect the game further up the pitch. And I just, I just like watching him play this year, like, He's got like year. an intensity. I say this year, he? I mean, like since since January. Um, yeah, he's been phenomenal, and I, I also find it funny that every time he gets the ball, James, you just scream his name. God, right now. He is he is one of those players that when he gets the ball, you do sit up a little bit at the minute because he has this. He's deceptively quick over ten yards, so he will take on an opposition fullback or whatever, and he's always quite forward thinking. He's, he's yeah. very different to a, a Holland, a White, who are very quick, but maybe you don't know what they're going to do with the final ball. Whereas Williams, you always think he kind of knows what he's going to do when he gets to wherever he's going. Pompey yeah. away and I think Cambridge, he was one of the few players, every time he got the ball, you thought something was going to happen. Yeah. I'm thinking more Pompey away, where we were dreadful. But he's just sort of making things happen. And, and I partly wonder whether the system change to three is one, because KR's gone... Look, we just can't seem to keep keep stop shipping goals with two, so I'll try a three. And I think the other side of it is to try and find a way to get Williams in the team as well. Yeah. I didn't think we'd be saying that a few, you know, two months ago or something. It, we were talking about him going to New Zealand or something, weren't we, before it's, January? It is funny that you look at the squad we've got and practically every player apart from Jamie Hansen and obviously Gorin's been out injured for a while every player's played quite a few games and had impacts over the season yeah. no one's been poor consistently it's quite nice that you can you can rely on I don't know Williams Lovers a, a good spell of 10 games and may drop off and someone else can come in and have a good spell of 10 games and how that's kind of almost rotated especially across the back three four five with injuries has been one of the reasons why we why we are where we are. Yeah. So Taylor got obviously a couple at Charlton. Bulldog scored his first goal for his boyhood club. Cringe a little bit saying that. 
Um, although he did have a Mana Club membership, as he proved yeah. with his GIF, you know, like the celebration GIF. It was him holding his uh, Mana Club card from being a kid, which I thought was really nice. So, you know, when people say, what was the guy who came from Wickham again? My memory's gone. Left back. It's like, oh, I'm Oxford boy. It's like, you know, God, that didn't last very long, pal. Like, I kind of believe it a bit more with Bordock if he's got a Mana, Mana Club pass. That's what I think every player that claims that allegiance needs to show their pass. <laughs> um, but it's great for him to get off the mark. What I really love about Sam Bordock, and it's a bit sad given he's now injured, but again, similar to Williams, like he's got that like intensity about him. He's annoying. He's feisty. He's like running around, like cho- chopping at people's heels. He's got that. I just like it. And I'd never thought I'd see Matty Taylor paired up front in a front two with someone else and it work. And it yeah. actually made Matty better. Like the streak Matty was on, um, was is what well, still is on to a degree. He's crazy. got that guile about him. Like if you look at him, he doesn't have an outstanding attribute, if you know what, if that makes sense. But he sort of, he knows where to go and where to be. He's kind of got a bit of a Chris Maguire quality about him in sort of his composure and his sort of game play. He can slow things down without slowing them down. Yeah. And some of the goals he's scored and the cutbacks he's made, they're the right decisions. Uh, it's Yeah, it's absolutely gutting because it's actually yeah. going to make quite a big difference that he's, at, that he's out probably for the rest of the season. Yeah. That experience through the starting 11, like, it makes such a massive difference, doesn't it? But if it's taken even, I know Taylor's played a lot of the games with him, but if it's just taken off something away from Taylor in terms of the intensity or the work rate, then that's the silver lining. Um, other thing to mention, Sean Clare, I need to get in touch with him because I'm quite upset because I, I, I had a lot of belief. I think of everyone on the pod, I believed he, you know, he was going to have a good career. I wasn't um, going to mention Sean Clare. I thought, oh no, let's not go in on this. You <laughs> brought it up. Yeah. He, got sent, he got sent off and he was terrible. I think he was playing as a centre-back though. Yeah, in he three was. In this game, wasn't I, it? I've always, you can go back on previous episodes of the podcast. Sean Clare. Big, big, big no. Big no. <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant when he got sent off as well. I was, I, I love that. That was great. Didn't Very you get good. into a bit of beef with someone Matty as Taylor. well? Matt Taylor, that was it. Yeah. So yeah, it was it. So it makes it even like, even more sweet that he was. It wasn't just a bad challenge or anything. He was just generally being a dick. So you know, he kind of sent off for being deserved, a dick. Yeah, literally. So <laughs> he kind of deserved that. Um, right. We then went to crew away. This is this absolutely falls into the camp of, you know, you're you don't play well and you win and you're delighted with it. Mm. But this was a horrible game. We were all right first half and then got second half and they were on top. Missed an absolute sit. Did they hit the underside of the bar? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah they did, didn't they? And then we scored a horrible looking goal. But um, Horrible looking, uh, but it hit the back of the net. To, so, doesn't matter. One of, one of the a, bun boys got the goal. Yeah, Brown. Yeah, that was Brown. A, this is the kind of result in the game that I was <laughs> expecting for us to watch. <laughs> bun boys. I said bun. B U N. Yeah, I was very, very, very. Just looking at your faces, I was like, God, fuck's <laughs> sake. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> I had to get in my composure now. Um, the um, the crew game is what I was expected to happen, like in in, in the context of Accrington away. 
Um, obviously, it didn't happen at Accrington, but we we ground out a result at Crew. So actually, I think it was a really really important three points in the end. Because to be fair, Crew have actually you know since that game, Crew have actually you know gone on to um, put up a fight against quite a few big teams. So I do feel like they're Aji- improving. Aji was quite involved in that game. Jack, you were there, weren't you? Was it weird? Was Didn't, were you still convinced Aji was going to score the whole time? Uh, I was convinced when Jack Stevens passed him the ball and marked for about 10 yards out. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, it was a weird game. I took a, a Derby supporting friend saying that we played really expa- oh, no. expansive, expressive, high-scoring football. And obviously... We we didn't particularly that day. Although I just looked at the stats and we had nineteen shots, but the problem was only two of them were on target. I think um, five of them were probably when we story. scored the goal as well. Yeah, exactly. So, but as Connor said, it was it was the game it was the game where you go and grind out the victory, and you they're the types of points that you look back on at the end of the season and go, that was really important for where we yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. I I had a similar story with. Um, I actually went round my friend's house in here in Belfast and watched that game with three other mates who are all from Northern Ireland and they all support like Premier League teams. And I was like, oh, you know, we'll turn the Champions League off. We're going to watch Oxford versus Crew. So we turned the Champions League off and watched Oxford versus Crew. And they had to sit through possibly uh, the worst game of football I've seen all year. It's, ter- it's we terrible still doing that. But, but yeah, you know, the result was there. So it was worth it in the end. They, I, they didn't I, quite enjoy it, but. Pfft. Tough. I remember taking a bunch of guys from work to Oxford v Bradford at Valley Parade and we lost 5-0 and had two of our centre-backs sent off. Was it Cry- Crichton? Um, was yeah. it Crichton and Jake Wright at the same time? I don't remember. But, um, it's the only Oxford game I've ever left early. That was like, you know, all five minutes before. They By the end, they're, all of them were Bradford fans and <laughs> they, they were like... It, it, was, um, it was a pound... To get in, yeah. and I remember us chanting, "We want our money back." Was that the one that was a quid? I think it was. <laughs> Maybe it was. Class. Anyway, um, right then we obviously went on to Cambridge at home. So everything we've already talked about what a, what a day it was in terms of uh, remembering Joey. Um, but yeah, that just show just similar to you know us. Our approach this season is not worry so much about how many goals you're going to concede. And just outscore teams, and we don't look. We don't seem to be worried on the most part when we go behind, do we? Which is a good trait for a, for a team to have. Um, worth giving Sam Smith a call out for not reading this the kind of situation, you absolute cretin. But um, yeah, he did apologize. He did apologize afterwards, which is um, fair enough. But yeah, great, great game, great comeback, four two win. Um, I thought Cambridge were not a bad team, actually. They sort of, but we, like you say, we we didn't get blocked up by them. When whereas we did last time we played them, we actually kind of still made it work, and that just showed how good the kind of Bulldog Taylor. I can't remember what we played formation wise, but it, it sort of worked. And Gavin White as a ten, I remember thinking that that actually yeah. worked. And by now we're kind of starting to get into his sort of assist sort of. Go go mad spell, which is still in, um, but yeah, it, it just seemed to have. We just seemed to be the quality was just far too good, and then the goals we scored were just piss poor, and neither of them should have happened if, if yeah. memory serves. I like Bulldog's goal was great, wasn't it? Um, I just love the I love goals where it's just like a low cross and a tidy finish after a good run by a centre forward. That's what you want. 
Um, yeah, which hasn't happened all season until like last couple of months about decent sort of picking the right ball and someone actually being there. Half the time we put the ball in, no one's there, or the ball's poor to the wrong yeah. places. Last season, last season, we definitely talked about that all the time, didn't we? But it does feel like this year there is a bit of a shift in terms of committing the bodies forward, and it's, hence why we're scoring so f- many goals. Finding a man from across since January has just improved vastly. I think a lot we've we touched on it already. Baldock's movement in the box to move into a position where it's easy for the crosser to find him is. Yeah incredible and you know John's touched on it already that is going to be a miss um, and hopefully it's not a season ender it's, I think they've said six weeks have they so far so hopefully we'll see him again this year Jack as a uh, former goalkeeper what are your thoughts on the whole Stevens Eastwood thing because it has been called up a few times that, that we've conceded a few goals where you're kind of like well Stevens could have got that I remember the Bolton First goal Bolton scored. There was definitely that second Sam Smith goal, and there's been others as well. And Eastwood's not done badly when he's come back in. Uh, yeah, I, I I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised and not surprised when Stevens came back in because the the talk had been right. He's our number one now, and he's got glandular fever and he's out. But we've got a really good cover goalkeeper, so him coming back in didn't surprise me from that sense. But I felt it was harsh on Eastwood because he had not put his a foot wrong during the time that Stevens was out ill. Yeah. Um, but I think both both of them are good goalkeepers. They're very different. And Stevens is more of a modern goalkeeper in terms of distribution and wanting the ball at feet. And Eastwood can't really do that as well. But both of them have some clear flaws in their game where shots from certain positions seem to beat them too easy. Um, but, you know... <laughs> If you're fourth in the league, have the fact that we're scoring so many goals means that probably we we skim over some of the goals we have conceded a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't mind either of them being in goal, but I don't think one is far better than the other. If you had to pick who, Eastwood, Eastwood, John. Okay, sorry, jumped ahead there. Um, possibly Stevens. Just if we're playing three at the back. But, I'm going to say Stevens, so then we're completely on the fence. But I, I'm. it shows what... It's all about what's happened at the moment, though, because jumping ahead to Shrewsbury, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, that's why I paused, because I was like, well, I'm, East, what Eastwood did against Shrewsbury was ridiculous. And Stevens, I'm, I'm with the point that there's too many goals where I go, and I think I'm a bit harsh on keepers generally. I think should have saved that. I wanted to save that. But I think I'd just go to Stevens, but I wouldn't have any problem if it's Eastwood, and he probably deserves it. I mean, I, I think it's brilliant that we can have a goalkeeper who steps in very late notice and pulls off two very saves true. like that when a few years ago we were having to get a Jonathan Mitchell on loan and just watch him kick the ball into the stand every <laughs> single time. Yeah. Like, this, this, you know, KR has built a squad here that, you know, players can drop out and players can come in. No, um, it's, it sounds like he's been tra- yeah. training um, really well as well, KR said, Eastwood. Like, yeah, he's got a great attitude. Um, cool. I was trying to think, you know, back to the Sam Smith thing. What other kind of irrelevant players from our past could have come back and done a nonsense celebration? It's like you're into like the Onom Sodge, Ricky Sappleton, like players that just came, just disappeared before you really noticed they'd been here. Jenny. Jenny. No, it's quite popular. It's got to be a striker. What? It's got to be a striker that came and went. 
Come on, Jack. Yeah, as I say, there's anyone on the names, podcast please. to ask. It's well, it, it would if we're talking lone strikers who didn't do anything. It'd be like back in the day, like Richie Foran or something you had for a month, and then you know, so it wasn't our fault that Sam Smith. A contemporary example. A contemporary example. Non-Gelay. Yeah, someone like that. Exactly, yeah. someone like that. Is it? What's his first name? I can't remember. Oh, Almond. 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 That's it. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, right, we went to we got caught up there. Pompey away, um, we lost three two. We had a great start. It was great to see Marcus Brown um, in two three minutes in front of those. We had massive massive away support for a Tuesday night, didn't we? It was like yeah. thirteen hundred or something. Yeah. To be fair, just on that, we should say really that prior to this to this away game, that was was it three back to back home games over ten thousand people. Was it four? Was it three or four? Yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. One, two, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so it was that was a proper shout out to the to the yellows. I like that. That was good. Yeah, good time to be doing that as well. Obviously, with what's going on in the background. Yeah, and definitely. Discuss the council meetings. Um, but yeah, um, great to see Mark. Marcus Brown's goal was great. Step over, great finish, and then we we looked in, we're bossing that game at Fratton Park for most of that first half. We're really frustrating them, and obviously we just collapsed. With three minutes to go before half time, we can see two goals. And that ragged guy, that centre back that just oh. hangs around up front, he's done that to us before. With his um, one tooth. Yeah. I mean, um, that, just, that goal was fine. That one was fine. But the second and the third, where we did that classic thing where there's three of them, and for some reason we let the one striker peel off into space. For me, if I was a team we end up playing in the playoffs, I'd watch that Pompey game and know how to beat us because our two in midfield were shocking. Second half I'm talking about. And (laughs) defence, we were all over the place. Um, I remember being, I think we were all quite angry after that game. And I I mean, we were probably knackered and we played multiple games and all that. There's other, there's all sort of different things. It is that counter-attack. Like, we seem so susceptible at times, though, to getting countered and just looking all over the place where you get, well, like, we have three centre-backs and then two, they all run. Do you remember Wickham away? Yeah, It's like a schoolboy, everyone runs towards the ball and forgets oh, yeah. that there's other players on the pitch. Yeah, and that happened, that was the second Pompey goal, wasn't it? Where yeah. they, they just played on the last line. There was no reason for us to be that far forward and then they just ran through and kicked it in. Um, Bolton as well. The goal they scored, um, Pompey. The goal they scored at our place when it was um, what's his face? The guy, Curtis, Curtis, scored, yeah, Curtis yeah. goal. Like it's it is there is a trend there, isn't there? Where we just struggle when we're kind of our backs turned, running back towards our our own goal. But yeah, anyway, lost that. It was a bit annoying, bit of a push at the end, but um, can't win them all. Get to get to home against Burton and we just kicked the crap out of them, which was which was nice. And Burton are yeah. weird. Is Hasselbank still there? My missus. Yeah, yeah. he's still yeah, there. Yeah. It's weird though, isn't it? Because he's never had. Surely their form is absolutely gone. Like he he's always been pretty successful, hasn't he? Since he's been there. Yeah. I think he's... Burton have got to be one of the most naive teams we've played over the last couple of years. They just seem to sort of think they're above their sort of station of the players they've got maybe because Hasselbank's the manager yeah they all seem to play really open but really slowly and we just rip them to pieces not to take anything away from us but they just we've played them what 
I think we've thrashed them like three or four times in the last four or five times we've played them. And it always seems to be the same story. And I'm, yeah. well, I'm really not moaning about it because I think we were a little bit worried about, well, not worried about it, but it could have been a, a tighter one to, to handle. But oh, Yeah, our our last four league results against them are 4-1 from the other week. We won 3-1 at their place earlier this season. We beat them 4-0 at home last season and 5-1 away. I think I think Hasselbank spends too spends too much time on Sky Sports getting like tactical advice from Gary Neville or something. He's also a terrible pundit. That's yeah. obviously a very subjective thing. I always <laughs> wonder, like how I always wondered how his teams are so have historically been so effective and good when he offers no tactical insight whatsoever. There's on only Burton that's been effective during his managerial tenure. Or oh, maybe that's been a bit harsh, but Yeah. Anyway, um we were four nil up but by half well just before half time, and then we conceded in additional time before the whistle went. Um, Bulldog again, two great kind of strikers goals. One of them was, um, you say, one of them was like a Sykes cutback, a great run, yeah. and then that great finish. Fi- that one. Really finally, nice. Gavin White. Gavin White. That's the thing we needed to mention. Well done, Gav. You've got how many assists? Ten assists Ten. for the season. And Jack, you were making a good point before we press record that he's the inverse um, Shadipo, isn't he? Yeah, how many times have we had the conversation saying, oh, Shadipo's got no assists, but he scored goals, so you take that. This year we've had White getting a lot of assists, but not scoring, which I suppose from a winger, you probably, you t- again, you take it. Um, and thankfully we've had, you know, your Sykes and Brannigan step in to maybe take some of the goal pressure off White. But um, it was typical that the goal that he did score to open his account was just a leathered shot from the edge of the box, considering all the sitters he's missed all season, the one-on-ones, that, yeah. That's, I suppose yeah. that's how it works sometimes. Sometimes you just don't want time to think. That pressure's different, isn't it, when you're in that position versus where you're bearing down on goal, Donny away in front of the away fans. That made me sad. Um, Matty Taylor's goal was excellent. And again, it was a white assist, wasn't it? That ball over the top and that volley from Matty. Do you um, not think, though, the goalkeeper should have done better with it? The volley? Yeah. No, I, I think it was one of them where it was hit so hard and fast he didn't have time to set himself. Do you yeah. mean cover his near post type thing? I mean, I think Jack's probably made a pretty good point there. But it's, I, I looked at it and thought he left quite a lot of space for Taylor to hit in and he didn't maybe oh, hit John. it harder than I think. Come on. I mean, I mean, nine times out of ten, 90 time, 99 times out of 100, that goes in the stand. Mm. I think that's the point, isn't it? To cut when it's like cutting across it that way, as well as a right footer, so it's coming across your body before you hit it. I'm I'm probably sending that back where it came from as well. <laughs> if I'm hitting that <laughs> inside of my right foot and it's flying back to the north stand, like that technique is hard. Um, anyway, that was a yeah, great. Yeah, no, I'm not knocking the technique. The technique was brilliant. I just in my sort of very harsh on keepers lens that I've already alluded to was kind of like I wonder whether <laughs> keeper should have saved that. But who cares? I expect a a letter to the Burton keeper. Um, Shrewsbury away. Right, we're we're back up to date. Well done, everyone. We've done all right. (laughs) We're not even over an hour yet. Um, Who was I watching this with? Connor? I feel like you were with me. Yeah. Were you happy? Good result, good performance. I didn't think we played very well. but No, it was a horrendous game of football, I thought. I thought it was actually one of the worst, one of the worst games of football in in recent memory, given the fact we've just spoken about so many games in this podcast. 
And obviously some of the games we had, you know, less than desirable results. But I, I thought it was a really, really boring game of football, which was quite unusual for us. Um, good start, though. Very like good first, start. First half, it felt like yeah. everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think the second half, it was obviously quite a below par for the performance. But going, just kind of jumping ahead a little bit on the... Um, on the second half of that game, you know, earlier we were talking about Ryan Williams and I think it was Jack that alluded to like him being able to put his body in the right place and that sort of thing. The way he won that penalty was absolutely fantastic. Like his ability, I think Jack said again earlier that his like five yard pace when he picked the ball up on the wing and just decided to go past the defender and basically force him to make a tackle. It was a stonewall penalty. And I think that was proper credit to his confidence at the moment where he's playing, you know, with so much of it. I think he was a standout player. Yeah. And obviously Brannigan. Yeah, he was before. absolutely... You know, it's class. He was huge. Um, we had a makeshift defence. I know it's only a few days ago. Who was in our defence again? <laughs> it's, I was about to say... Seddon. Messinio uh, no, started. Messinio. McNally. McNally, yeah. McNally. Yeah, that's another thing, actually. We've not even touched upon it, have we, really? That, you know, we are missing, you know... Um, we're missing Elliot more still against in, in these games we're talking about, and you know, changing the system and the rest of it. So defensively, we have been put quite wide open, but KR has been exper- experimenting a little bit, hasn't he? Which seems to work at the top of the pitch, but not necessarily at the we, back. We were abs- getting absolutely second half. Sure, it looked like Shrews, something had clicked and Shrews would be like, oh, so we just get the ball down the wings and we just cross it and then there's just chaos. <laughs> and that just kept on happening. And then eventually Bowman... Um, Scored and then he missed an absolute sitter, didn't he? The same um, guy to go two one up. Eastwood saved it. No, well, he says he, he saved it. He definitely if he say if it. he saved it, it was going over already. It was one of he them. Saved, he saved it. Just keep give goalkeepers union over here. Give him a little bit. Of credit. <laughs> I used to be a goalkeeper um, like Jack, so you know. <laughs> I I think this is one of the games, and I th- I've said this a lot on the pod this year, but it's another one going on my list of. At the end of the season, if we get to where we want to be, this will be one of those games we can, where we where we've rocked up, we've lost the keeper, centre back, we've got another centre back injured, we've lost your striker, and it's a very much a makeshift team put together on the Friday night by the sounds, um, six subs including two that have never played a minute of league football, and we come out with a a scrappy win to add to the crew one to add to a couple of others. This team this year is different to the last couple of seasons where we'd have probably not won that game. Yeah. There's also an abundance of quality at the other end of the pitch that helps. I thought it was interesting what Moose said about how, because he played in the senior Oxfordshire Cup or whatever on the Tuesday, he had 90 minutes in his legs already. And by accounts of it, he was really good. And I kind of get a bit fed up when players get to a certain age and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, they can't play a game anymore. I know he's had injuries, but... Same with Henry. People are like, oh, he's getting on a bit now. I'm not sure he can play 90 minutes. Like, of course he can. Like, they, you know, they just need a bit of fitness in their legs. Yeah. we. I, I think um, we didn't utilise... The ball wasn't hanging around with our front five or six for much of that game, especially second half, which was the thing that was difficult because they just kept on putting the pressure on. I think we were, to Jack's point, absolutely falls in that bucket of um, incredible, you know, incredibly important scrappy win. And uh, they they were gunning for the ref, weren't they? They were m- <laughs> missiles going towards them. What was their what's their manager called again? Shrewsbury. Cottrell. Cottrell. He was on. He was uh, you know running up to the fourth official, clapping yeah. in his face. He was pretty much clapping his nose off. It was like that. He close got booked to... as well, didn't he? 
Yeah, and then he went straight for the ref, like beelined um, after the game. But all that, it was definitely a penalty, though. Not like as a non, yeah. take the bias out of it. Like Williams got his body in the right place, and the player just completely took him out. Um, it was nice to see um, a bit of the old Herbie Kane kind of come back with that ball. Yeah, down the, the, side the to, goal down the side to White. I mean, that's being a bit harsh on Kane, sort of. You know, he's not a bad player overnight. He's just had a bit of a run of games where he's sort of not been as effective. And But it was nice to see that sort of touch of class come back. And I think that's been missing. And maybe he's been asked to play a slightly different role in the last few games. But he's not had that sort of keep the play, momentum, pick a pass between the line stuff going on as much, which we've yeah. definitely missed. I, did, I was literally about to say the same thing before and then forgot, but yeah, it's nice to see him playing. We always talked about that deep line quarterback type role, picking stuff out and being more progressive. And we haven't seen as much of, of that from him. So agree. Um, Matty Taylor's on 21 goals, Jack, for the season. Um, isn't, isn't it great to have a consistent goal scorer year on year? I think, you know, did it, is this his third season back with us? Full time or loan and then full time, and he's got over fifteen each season. I think even with the COVID issues, um, Christ, I hope he stays fit to the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many games have we got left? Eight. eight, eight. I mean, he can get. He can definitely get like twenty-five or something, can't he? Wonder what the like the record is. Roof most recently, maybe. 26 league goals or something like that. Maybe I'm making that up. Can't have been that far off. But either way, it's great. It's not It's not just the, the tally. It's the fact that he's just scoring like almost every game, um, which is the thing that, you know, is ticking us over. So keep it up, Matty, please, if you can. It'd be good. Um, league one. Connor, who you, what are you thinking? How confident are you, are you feeling based on form other teams just won't go away that's it isn't it it's uh i I partly blame you for that can i just say actually quickly connor i partly blame (laughs) you because on saturday weren't sunderland drawing nil nil until really late and you were like oh look sunderland are drawing excellent that's great we're gonna move and then obviously it happens someone did it on whatsapp didn't they last night as well aaron (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I have a tendency to do this. I have a tendency to check the scores during the game and I really should not do it. Um, but no, it's it's kind of, I don't want to say it's it's not us, it's them. <laughs> but the other, there are some other teams that are really starting to pick up form when we don't want them to. Um, you know, I, I think Plymouth are one of those. I think Sunderland are another. You know, I think Wickham have also found their feet a little bit after... They had a little bit of a spell, didn't they? After they beat us, they went through a bit of a dry spell and dropped off, and then they've kind of come back into the fold. Obviously, MK Dons are now running away with it, as in I think third spot is. Are they still? Much are theirs. they still unbeaten? Are they not lost? Yeah, they're yeah. still on that run. Yeah, so I, I think it's an extremely difficult time now for Oxford. You know, we've really got to make sure that we just keep picking up points just to solidify the place in you know fourth or fifth. I think it's going to be. An extremely tough next eight games, and I think I think the players will feel a bit of pressure on their shoulders because we've been relatively consistent. Um, we've been in and around, you know, this part of the table for most of the season. So, 
it will be a very tough pill to swallow if if we do end up dropping out. Um, yeah. But it's in our own hands, when, so you know we got to. We Wednesday got to play. picked up, haven't they? As well, yeah. I mean, thankfully, like you know, I alluded to in the notes here that you know, um, Stanley Akerson Stanley did us a favour last night, getting a getting a point against Wednesday. But obviously, Wickham and Plymouth both won last night, which were massive for them because these were their games. Wickham, that us. fucking Jack, Wickham, Jack you oh, shared it, didn't you? That goal, ninety fourth minute Wickham winner. It's horrendous goal as well. So lucky. So Wickham. I bet they had the fireworks off again. Yeah, they probably did. Yeah, and the fucking um, Our House by Madness playing at like four million decibels through the speakers so that that the away (laughs) fans can't call their fans a bunch of pricks, Um, which is literally what happened with us. (laughs) That's true. Who who would be your four teams? Who would be your four teams in the playoffs you would be most comfortable with us being in there with? MK. Plymouth, Sunderland, as it is now. So you, I think I, but oh, the only thing I would say, and I think because MK was drop out. Andrew said it in the, one of the chats, didn't he? Like, if we got to the final, I would want a club with more expectation on their shoulders than us. That's all yeah, I care yeah. about. I don't yeah. care about the semi-final. I care about getting like a. I'd rather have like a Sunderland in a playoff final. Oh, because that of that so pressure sweet, and it? expectation on them. I'd rather yeah. have Wednesday in there than Plymouth and then Sunderland and MK. Because yeah. I think Plymouth ripped us a new one when they, they played us. Yeah. And like and you say... and people, didn't they? They just tore us apart. I remember yeah, that. whereas Sunderland, Sheffield, Wednesday, they kind of play the same football as we do. Like, it's not groundbreaking. It's sort of who's better on the day type stuff. MK and Plymouth play pretty progressive football and... We can beat them at that, but we can also lose at that as well. We've done the double. I think mentally, though, doing the double over Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I think that does play into it, doesn't it? I think the fact that we've got someone, maybe it was Kinneborough on Radio Oxford, was saying, looking at the run-in, we've got to play MK, Plymouth and Sunderland, don't we, right? And Ipswich. I suppose Ipswich are kind of a bit out of it, but all of those games are kind of, you know you've got to try and approach them. Hopefully we've got the players back. So it's more representative of what you want to end up with in the playoffs, but you've got to approach those games as if it is like a playoff game in a, in a way. Well, hopefully over the next five games, assuming Morecambe doesn't get delayed, which I guess it probably will be. You'd hope we'd kind of get the job done to a degree that the MK and Rotherham games are not high pressure games whilst it'd be good yeah. to, we'd, we want to go into the playoffs on form. Obviously but I think I, I think the Plymouth game is the Plymouth game is absolutely massive. I, th- I mean, I know you can say about any game that's coming up now, but I think if if Plymouth, particularly if Plymouth pick up points in their next game in hand over us, then it's going to be even more pressure on us to get a result against Plymouth. Jack, yeah, I think for me the biggest test is is Saturday because. Personally, I, th- I think Ipswich need to come to to Oxford and win to give themselves any chance whatsoever of of hitting the playoffs because their next two games are us and Plymouth. So if they took six points from them, they'd be you know they'd be right in amongst it again. Well, they don't um, want to be boring, do they? No, well, no, exactly. They, <laughs> I, I mean, it'd be fantastic oh, if we had a one nil win. Um, it hasn't it been nil nil. Like five out of the last six yeah, occasions we played them yeah. or something. 
Especially like no, against no. Sunderland when it's always 1-1. Same story. Let's hope not. Saturday. So we've got Ipswich at home. Like Jack, I think like Jack, that is just, let's just get that one done. Morecambe's going to be moved to the 5th of April if it gets moved, you expect. Um, Plymouth away, horrible. Sunderland at home, terrifying in a way. Fleetwood away, should be fine. Fleet, Fleetwood away has got banana skin all over it because they're no. going to be scrapping for their lives. We'll be. I think we'll be fine. They, then I'm, we won't hear that pugwash song ever again. I, 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 I'm with John. I, I'd I'd really like us to be confirmed before MK at home. MK. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. Oh my god. It's horrible, isn't it? This has kind of crept up on. I suppose this this is what happens when you don't do a pod for <laughs> weeks. Yeah, quarter literally. of the year. Yeah, um, might do which a few are, more. <laughs> which, Probably. when you look yeah. at the other teams' run-ins, like oh, I'm just trying to th- see who's got the worst versus best. I think we're kind of middle ground, aren't we? There's a there's a lot of teams to play each other. I mean, I, I know we're going to got games in hand and are probably clear in second but they've got to play yeah a few Rotherham he, you know it's Rotherham Plymouth's got some running parts with back to back yeah it does yeah I mean Plymouth have got Wickham Sunderland Wigan and MK Dons as the last four oh, games God. of the season I mean that's pretty Ips, big for them and Ipswich and Oxford and Ipswich, the other yeah. side of it yeah yeah, so that you know, is, Plymouth have got a very hard run in as well. I always forget scary. about that. Actually, I think it's a it, it's an interesting graph this time of year to look at who other teams have got to play around you because sometimes we get so soaked up into who we've got in front of us, but actually, in these sort of scenarios, when it comes push comes to shove for positions for um, playoff games, sometimes it's about how the opposition, you know, ends. I mean, up there's, there's a weekend, the the third last or the second last game of the season for us is Rotherham. That weekend, Wigan have Plymouth, Wickham have Sheffield Wednesday. Like, there could well be a couple of weekends in there where no one in the playoff gets any points because we all just bottle it. it it's going to be twists <laughs> yeah. and turns. And that's why you want it done as early as possible because you don't want to be going into the last couple of games having to be going, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah. Maybe if we win every game, then Rotherham can be the game we win to get second. That'd be cool. Quite excited for Rotherham away. I hope it's just one of those days where we've cemented our place. We can go to the yeah. pub with flies in it. Have yeah, a I'm looking drink. forward to you taking um, me to the pub with the flies in. I've not been yeah, to it. I, I'm coming to Rotherham away, so I'll see you there, boys. It's the one near the station with all the flat the scarfs on. There's an Oxford scarf on the wall. Don't tell it? everyone. People, everyone will go. Yeah, but more flies, the merrier. Anyway, <laughs> um, right. I feel nervous now, to be honest. Would you take it, Connor, if I said it goes to the last game of the season, but if we beat Doncaster, we get playoffs? Would you take that right now? Well, you just said, well, if we beat them, we'll get playoffs. So, yeah, so let's so say we're on, the, the, on the edge, but it's in our hands. And if we beat Donny at home, then um, last day of the season, then we get in the playoffs. Would you take it? <sighs> just curious. No, I'd ra- it's not no, I'd ra- no, I'd rather be secure by I'm the last game rather. of the season. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't really. Um, a, what would you rather? Okay. Well, that case, then oh, I don't know. Like, do you believe? I, I'm trying to test your belief. Do I? Do I believe? Done. No, I do believe we'll get the job done. Yes, and okay. I, I, I said to you at the weekend. I, I've already got my, my, um, 
crystal ball out, and I feel like I know. <laughs> I don't know where happen. you go. The lucky sock. Yeah, crystal ball. Special whatever, hat. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was going to say flights booked for the uh, playoff final, and I was like, "That's that's ambitious." When is does nah, anyone know when the quite. playoff final is? May the twenty first. Yeah, it's, it's four, four days. <laughs> you all heading late. You're not looking ahead. Yeah, four four it's days before my birthday, so it'd be quite a nice birthday present to get promoted. So come on, Oxford. Seventeen. Twenty six. Believe it or not. Wow. Christ, okay. Getting old. Late twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Forget, right, forget um, that with a bunch of pensioners in here. We're playing um haha, we're playing Ipswich <laughs> on Saturday. We haven't really has anyone been looking specifically about their I suppose we talked a bit about their form. They're unbeaten in a few games. Anything of note that anyone's noticed? Or They've got a few here? injury problems. So Connor said in our group earlier this week, George Edmondson's out for a while. I think Sam Morse is a doubt in midfield to so their Two of their spine, if you like. Um, they haven't been conceded many goals. I think it's one in their last nine games or something. Um, so, nil-nil could be on the cards. They they are unbeaten for a reasonable period, but they haven't beaten anyone that's like a higher-than-them team for quite a long time. So, they beat Wickham <laughs> this is good. Back, good. Back, back at the end of... December and then after that it's all kind of teams in the middle of the league or they've drawn against like Portsmouth last out so they're not kind of getting the the big wins but I suppose they're beating the teams they should be so I don't know if that's a positive or not but they're not sort of they're motoring but they're not kind of putting the big teams away yeah they haven't scored that many goals really in the scheme of things um They'll bring a good following to our place, you imagine, as well. Yeah, they've sold out. Have they? So, potentially getting up towards 10,000 again then. Um, Yeah. Predict- I'm just going to predict nil-nil, just because that's what usually happens. Anyone else want to expand on a nil-nil? 2-1 win. Okay. 2-1. I suppose we do consider a clean what's, sheet is a big call for me. What's the it? injury yeah. situation? There's been very little noise from Oxford so far this week, which is, you know, I, we don't know who. There was COVID and illness, wasn't it? They said they, they said James Henry so, would be back. Is Sam Long going to be back? That's the crucial thing because we need we can't yeah. play Massinho Seddon as two centre backs for much, well, more really. They said um, they were definitely saying James Henry should be back. Whether that's to start or not is different, and the, but Bowden will be able to start, won't he? Um, you hope, unless he is injured midweek. So I think that's a big, that's a big win. Um, it's just the defence, isn't it, that you've really got to be a bit concerned about, and whether it's going to be a five or a four, depending on who's fit. Um, anyone else want to expand on a prediction? We got two one. We got nil nil. John, uh, I think we'll win. I don't really know what the score. But I don't know what the score will be. Um, yeah, the point of the... I think we're just gonna. I think we'll win though. <clears throat> so, you're saying get... score? Come right. on, three one, John. Three, three one. Good. Good Who's scoring? What minutes? Corner. <laughs> Matty Taylor will get for me. Matty Taylor will get both on my two brace. Ones. Okay, yeah. Jack. Uh, I think we'll draw 1-1 and we'll equalise late after all their time wasted through being boring. 
boring, just boring. An <laughs> twist of... uh, kind of a narrative you'd want, but you don't. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, it's worth saying we we've scored nine more goals than the next highest scorers, who are Rotherham, and that. Oh no, sorry, I'm lying, aren't I? Sunderland. How many goals is that? Seven, Seven more goals, and they all came at Gillingham. Yes, and, and Rotherham have conceded less than half of what we have. Have they really? It's insane, isn't it? Oh yeah, twenty-two goals conceded. You know, it's all right though because if we don't get promoted this year, and we don't get promoted next year, we'll only play Rotherham again because they'll come back down again. <laughs> it's their points total for finishing the season is going to be one of those ridiculous ones, though, isn't it? To get into the playoffs, yeah. historically, you needed like seventy-four points or something. On average, and we're on sixty-eight now, with eight games left, and there's no, you know, it's going to be in the eighties easily, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you know, it is great that we're scoring so many goals. It's lovely. I hope we keep doing that. <laughs> Should we end on that bombshell? Yeah, the end. Yeah. <laughs> what an insightful <laughs> thing to finish on. Let's keep scoring like goals, 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 goals. goals. <laughs> right. Um, Thanks for listening. We, we've talked in the Tip Manor WhatsApp chat earlier about getting back into more of a, a rhythm or a cadence of doing this every two weeks again. Um, so I'm sure we'll hope to try and do that as the season wraps up and we all start to get terrified about all these games. I think I need that outlet, to be honest, guys, because it's difficult to have the stress of trying to process all these games. I, I honestly don't think, I'm not sorry for going on, but the third consecutive playoff campaign, the thought of it is just terrible. I literally it's, can't take it anymore. I'm not like, sure I could. I'd have horrible. to go. I, I need to go to every game. If we do it, I'm going to home in a way yeah. of the playoff semi because I, I can't watch it on a fucking laptop yeah. anymore. It's first in-person I agree playoff with you. campaign, if you think about it that way. that's e- I think that's easier to deal with. Then watching yeah, that's it true, John. at home. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I've. I've already said that. I think if we do get in the playoffs, then I'm going to come home and watch the games back in back in Oxford because I. I agree with you. I can't. Can't stomach it anymore. I can't stand watching it on the on the TV. Yeah, absolutely right. We'll see all of you, fellow yellows, there. <laughs> Playoff semi final. Right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> see you later, mate. <laughs>